You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of the powerful PV cell software, and Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest edition of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and One Step Off the Grid. And um, listen, we normally do this podcast every two weeks, but we're doing a special episode this week um, simply because of the extraordinary events in Victoria and the extraordinary concern about the sort of the future of that industry. Joining me as usual is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, um, thanks for being here. Giles, I couldn't think of anywhere else I'd rather be. <laughs> Honestly. On a Sunday night, here we are. Look, I don't know whether we're going to betray the, the day that we're recording this, but um, look. Look, this is an important issue, so I'm really it, glad. It is. I'm really glad, um, I'm really glad we're doing an extra episode and we're going to um, dig into the detail on this because it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty big. Look, it is pretty big, and it's probably bigger than I understood, um, certainly um, a week ago or and, and certainly two weeks ago. So um, that's kind of why I wanted to sort of bring this thing to a fore. Look, last week we did an episode. Um, I did a very long interview with Stan Kerpant from Solar Victoria about... Um, um, I guess the government's position and Solar Victoria, Stan, Stan Kirpan is the CEO of Sol- Solar Victoria. We certainly got to hear a lot about their justification mm, for Really the... good interview, yeah. Well, yes, I wish I'd known some of the things I'd, I, I know now about the interview. But um, mm. anyway, but look, that, that's fair enough. We gave them we gave them plenty of opportunity to, to speak. Yes. Um, but look, clearly that has not answered all the issues. Three days later... Um, a lot of the industry was out in the streets protesting in front of Parliament House, mm. um, an organisation that was um, a, 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 um, a protest that was organised by the Smart Energy Council and Solar Cutters, um, both of whom have only the best interests of the industry at hand. And um, mm. I wasn't there, but you were, Nigel. I was. Um, I was. We're going to listen to John Grimes from the Smart Energy Council. Um, uh, give his take on the whole thing, but before just mm. just give it, give us a bit of this, um, paint us a picture of what paint us a picture. Mm. Yes, so a typical you know chilly, bleak Melbourne day. I flew down. A number of people flew flew in from interstate, um, held on the steps of Parliament House in Melbourne, and um, I arrived there about forty five minutes before the event was due to start, and there was already probably around a hundred people there, um, banners at the ready, um, signs at the ready. And um, as we approached the uh, the the 10:30 kickoff, uh, it was quite something to see literally crowds of people walking down the street towards the event, placards in hand, um, and and the crowd built to around about 300 they estimate, so a, a decent little crowd. Um, predominantly, um, the the crowd was made up of solar installers and retailers and some wholesalers and uh, a menagerie of suppliers and other people from the industry who are affected by what's going on in Victoria, like myself. Um, and um, then we proceeded in to listen to a number of speakers, two business owners, um, one of whom actually broke down in tears giving his presentation about the impact it had on his life. Um, and so it was a very moving and emotional um, 
example and, and, and or numerous examples of the negative consequences of this scheme. Um, Grimesy did a great job, um, you know, highlighting the key issues. The opposition minister was there, uh, Minister for Energy and, and uh, Shadow Premier. Well, yeah, that's the wrong term, but the shadow guy. Um, so there are a couple of politicians there who spent a long time afterwards, I noted, talking to business owners, which was great to see. Um, so a good rally. Everyone got it off their chest. Everyone had a chance to say what they needed to say. It was very powerful. It was very emotional um, and, and a lot of views. And then I spent the rest of the, the day um, in Melbourne talking to people who are affected, talking to people who are involved, um, and then at a networking event in the evening, you know, the discussions kept going. So very, very powerful day. Obviously, people are hurting um, for people to take to the streets and protest and call, amongst other things, for a rebate, a solar rebate to be ended is very significant. Mm. Look, um, quite extraordinary. Um, look, let's get into some of the detail. Look, I think the best thing we can do now is to hear your interview with John Grimes because I think he sums up quite well and quite succinctly and quite powerfully the issues at hand and why it's affecting people. And people may well scratch their head. Why is the industry out in protest um, at a, uh, a rebate that's going to guarantee 2.6 gigawatts of rooftop solar over the next 10 years? Um, we've been, uh, the industry's been out in the past when rebates and, and feed and tariffs have been cancelled and removed and uh, what have you but let's hit, listen to this um, so Nigel Morris with John Grimes on why the solar industry was on the streets last week. I'm here with John Grimes from the Smart Energy Council in Melbourne we've uh, just spent the day wandering around Melbourne and attending the uh, Smart Energy Council and Solar Cutters rally to save solar in Victoria. Welcome John. Hey Nigel great to be here. John, thanks for joining us. Uh, we played an interview with Stan Capran, head of Solar Victoria, um, a week or so back. And in that interview, Stan went through a lot of the stats and details around the scheme, which made it appear like it was flowing along pretty smoothly. He acknowledged some problems, but in general, he was suggesting that the scheme was going good. But today, I saw people crying uh, and talking about their businesses collapsing. Uh, has Stan got it wrong? The Victorian government, with the policy, wins a gold medal for a fantastic policy initiative. They win the, the wooden spoon for the worst implementation of a policy I've ever seen. It's the gap between what's really happening and what the government and officials think is happening, I, I've never seen a greater gap in my life. So Stan has got it wrong, the Minister has it wrong, the implications for business are diabolically bad, uh, and happy to talk you through that. Yeah, so let's let's go through that because I listened to lots of different views and, and big businesses and small businesses today about the challenges around the program. And certainly some have done okay out of it, but I haven't actually found one yet who said, yeah, we're, we're killing it on the scheme. Going through the scheme, let's start with the mechanics of it. I heard a lot of people complaining about the actual mechanics of the scheme. What do you know about that? So there are two problems. The first is, I think Minister D'Ambrosio has tried to wrap so much cotton wool around this pressure. She's so determined that, that there'll be no cowboys allowed in, that there won't be another pink bat scandal, that she's actually massively over-engineered it. So nationally, we have the STC program. Got to be a licensed electrician, got to be uh, CEC accredited, got to use products from the approved product list. And in Victoria, they do a 100% inspection of every solar system before it's connected to the grid. 
So it's a, it's a program that worked, delivered two million um, systems right across the country. It's worked perf perfectly well in Victoria. But this new scheme, you know, you imagine Barry Jones on his whiteboard doing this most complicated <laughs> list of all these things you've got to do. What that means for a customer, and remember, many of our customers are elderly, right? They're retirees or they're pensioners or they're di on disability pensions and so forth. So a customer has to send their rates notice, their tax notice, their identity documents, fill out the forms. You've got to have a scanner. You've got to have a computer. After you do all of that, uh, I spoke to one customer and she said five days later, we got an email from Solar Victoria. We had to download this app, Facial Recognition Biometric Software. And the woman I spoke to, she said, I put in my passport photograph. She said, in a passport, you're not allowed to wear your glasses. So the first thing I did is I took my glasses off. Now I can't see anything. Then I, she said, I've never taken a selfie before in my life. I'm trying to line this up to see where my head is in the box. And she said, before I knew it, click, the photo was taken. Said, turn right. So she turned right, click, took another photograph. Any wonder it came back, a few seconds later, said, you have been rejected. Then she was pushed off into a paper process. Her job was to find somebody who could certify that it was really her in the, in the photograph. So she racked her brains, remembered that her, that her neighbour was a prison guard, went across to get him to sign the paperwork, right, which is now a paper process, not an electronic one. Before he could sign it, he had to scan his passport details and send that to Solar Victoria. It's easier to get a new mortgage on your $650,000 home than it is to get a $2,000 rebate from the Victorian government. So the process is diabolical and out of control. Right, so mechanically, and this was a this is a theme that we've heard over and over again from everyone we've spoken to who's unhappy with the scheme. Is mechanically, it's just over-engineered. It's 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 too much. It's too burdensome. They're trying. They're using the solar industry here as guinea pigs potentially on some of this stuff, especially the facial recognition stuff. And we talk about tears. I, I, I was talking to one of our members who had a 90-year-old gentleman in tears because he felt so much pressure. If he didn't get everything right, if he didn't lodge it within a 24-hour a, a period, there was no way he was going to qualify for the rebate. So there's literally this huge tension amongst... And people are just saying, forget about it. It's actually too much. And then those people that aren't, the companies themselves are employing staff just to do the paperwork and submit it for them. It goes further than that. Once, once you're approved, you, the, the customer sent a QR code. The installer has to then come and scan the, the QR code with their own app, right? It's only once those things match that they install. Once they install, people are being told they're not going to be paid for 45 days. Mate, imagine financing that stock for all those installs and not being paid for that period of time. It's outrageous. And instead of the government listening to this and saying, well, crikey, okay, how do we streamline this? They've dug in and they've said, we won't let cowboys participate. Mate, you're not going to let anybody participate. Everyone's going to be out of business. It's diabolical. So we, we fantastic work on the rally today. There was about two, three hundred people there, something like that. Terrific crowd, all sorts of interesting speeches. Absolutely devastating watching people literally breaking down while they were telling their stories about collapses. I, I met a couple who uh, whose business uh, was going gangbusters for the last couple of years. They were growing really nicely. She was a new partner, had invested a, a ton of money into the business late last year were growing really nicely this year and, and then boom, the whole business has collapsed and they just are not unable to get enough business through the door. And that seems to be a consistent theme that even if you can get into these rebates, it's ones and twos where, where companies were doing 20 or 30 or 50 sales a month before, they're only able seemingly to get ones and twos and threes through the scheme. This is back to the issue around um, the spread of how this is 
is is working is that a mechanical issue is that people gaming the scheme what's going on with that so if we talk to experts like Rick Brizali, right, and say, what's the historical run rate for Victoria, let's say for the calendar year 2018? And for 2018, the run rate was about 3,500 per month, right? A little bit of variation, but around that mark. Now, since then, the, the Australian solar market has grown by 20% nationally, right? The, the, the Victorian government announced a scheme. They're going to put $1.2 billion on the table to allow up to 770,000 people, new families, to get solar, right? fantastic right it was an election promise they start rolling it out in october last year you put money on the table what happens the market responds to it right duh right so the installs take up four thousand five thousand they picked out at six thousand now here's the thing solar victoria the victorian government didn't talk to industry about this they they were completely blind and then one day in april they said ladies and gentlemen the scheme is now closed for this financial year uh what so you're telling me that we're coming up to this giant cliff, you didn't tell us about it, so we've employed staff, we've ordered stock, we're actually in, in business as usual, bloody hell. Then they say, but don't worry, on the 1st of July, it's gonna open again, right? So the whole market, the message is just hold off folks, a couple of months, right? And you'll be able to get your two and a half grand. So nobody bought anything. In fact, the numbers are down over 90% across the board. Then on the 1st of July, the scheme opens again. It opened on the Monday, it was closed on the Wednesday, 60 hours, and the cap was reached, right? Now, block, you know, anybody could have seen that coming. It was just diabolical, right? So what happened is we're now coming up to four months where essentially all these businesses have had no income. So they've, had, they've kept their roofers, their electricians, their store people, their salespeople on staff. They don't want to let them go. They thought it was going to start up again. And, and you run a business with no income, but all those expenditure, I've, I've spoken to, to members of ours spending $200,000 a month just to stand still, right? Do that for four months, that's called economic suicide, right? And now the government has the gall to say, to say to the industry, well, it's because you can't run your business properly. That's outrageous. So 3,500 a month last year, the new cap is 3,300, so it doesn't account for just natural growth in the market. This is now a cap on the scheme. So think about this, Nigel. The Victorian government puts $100 million of taxpayer money on the table for this financial year. The net result, less solar installs than would have happened under business as usual, and about 1,000 solar jobs gone. That has to be a gold medal performance for program incompetence. So, John, we've we got to wrap it up soon, but what, what do we do about this? And, you know, frankly, in after 20, 26 years in solar, I had a solar installer, several solar installers say to me today at the rally, do you know what? Our industry was growing organically. There were measures in place for, for lifting quality. The industry was doing okay. And everyone organically competed in the market. And the market was just chugging along, like the statistics that you were just talking about uh, showed. And... Three installers said to me today, first time in 26 years I've ever heard it, we would be better off without this rebate. And they were actually very, very keen to walk down to Lily Ambrosio's office and plead with her to axe this rebate. Wh what are we going to do about this, John? What, what's, what's, what's the Smart Energy Council asking for? We didn't, we didn't design this. We didn't ask for it. It was an election thought bubble. It got them into office. They have broken the solar industry in Victoria, and it's their job to fix it. Now, however they fix it is up to them. 
But what they need to do is this. Supply meets, needs to meet demand, right? If you put a billion dollars on the table, of course people are going to go for it, right? So fund the program so that you actually meet the demand, right? Otherwise, you're, you're, you're decapitating all of these solar companies. So bring the money forward, bring the budget forward? Bring the money forward, you know. Uh, look, if, if they said we have no more money, right, not possible, right, cut the rebate in half, double the number of rebates, you get go to 6,600, that's got to be a, a step forward, right? Um, or, as I called for today, who would like to see the, the, the rebate scrapped altogether? 100% of the, of the participants agreed. So um, when things are that bad, they broke it, they've got to fix it because, because it's heartbreaking. I've become the counsellor in chief to the industry, spending hours on the phone with, with business owners and, and business staff in tears because they've lost their family home and the family business. And Nigel, these are the good guys. These are the guys that have been in business for the last 10 years. They get five star reviews from their customers. They're word of mouth customers. They've done the right thing by their, by their employees. And they're the people who are being cut off. And to hear Daniel Andrews on the media today saying, yeah, we, we won't compromise, we're gonna keep the cowboys out. Mate, what planet are you on? Great thoughts, John, and let's hope that Solar Victoria and the Premier's office really take this issue as serious as it is for the people who are losing their jobs and for the businesses that are closing down. Thanks for your time today. Look, can I just say one final thing, Nigel? Um, you know, we, I, I met with the, with the Minister and all of her advisers uh, in, a, in a private meeting and pleaded with her. I outlined in detail all of these real-world stories from the installers. You know, we'd, lo we'd love the, the Victorian government to have just solved, solved the problem. Instead, she looked at me and she said, essentially, read my lips, there will be no changes to the program. The last thing we want to do is call out the troops in this sort of thing, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't advocate for our members and for their benefit. John, thanks for your time. Thank you, Nigel. And that was John Grimes, the CEO of the Smart Energy Council, talking to Nigel last week. Um, Nigel, um, we'll get shortly to the um, to some of the issues about what we need to do or what needs to be done, because mm. um, I, I think there's some pretty interesting views. I mean, the whole idea, of, you know, what, just just can the damn thing, um, you know, let supply meet demand or meet demand meet supply but look, tell us a bit more about what you the people you spoke to the people um in that you caught up with at the mm. network drinks um mm. give us a bit i mean is it all i mean is everyone against it is it just half the people are against it are the people who are against it the people who missed out because maybe um as stan seemed to infer that um, they hadn't quite got their mind around you know the, the process mm. is it as simple as that um just mm. give us more flavor from you yeah so i mean i'm, I'm going to try and break it down to keep it keep it in chunks right so that we can talk about the issue so i think clearly there are pros and cons right there are there are definitely some pros solar consumers are getting two thousand or a bit over two thousand dollars off the price of a solar system that is a pro there are solar consumers getting access to solar who may not have been able to before as a virtue of this program and that is a good thing and and ultimately um you know everyone in the industry wants to see more people getting access to solar so that's good um, I think the other thing that everyone admits as well is that, you know, the intentions of the scheme uh, were good. And in fact, chatting with a number of people who have been, um, you know, involved to varying degrees around the um, development and the inception of the scheme, there are some very, very good people behind the development of this scheme. There are some people who've been in the industry for many, many years who are advising government 
who have a lot of experience, industry people, people with solar businesses, small businesses, big businesses, industry associations. And uh, so there has been a lot of input from industry into this scheme. Now, so that's one that's one myth that I want to bust. There was there was there's a bit of a story running out there that industry was not consulted, and I, I disagree with that. I know people in the industry who were consulted. However, the whether the government actually took the advice of industry is another issue, and certainly there are examples where industry warned the government of consequences of certain decisions that they were going to that they were talking about making and they warned them against certain things and so they had been warned and yet some of those things came to play now in fairness to the government unintended consequences are an absolutely inevitable outcome of all solar rebate programs we see it every single time there are always things that people didn't predict were going to happen that end up happening so you know in fairness to the government some of these things were not directly unintended were not intended um but in fact are unintended consequences so you know definitely pros and cons i don't think anyone set out to mess the market up giles you know i really don't i think everyone had largely good intentions there was advice given yeah, look, but that's true of, of so many. But, you know, the, the secret to good government and what we want from governments is that, okay, you've got a great intention, you do a, a thing which seems very good, yeah. something goes wrong, you fix it. <clears throat> well, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. The key is how do you respond to those things, right? How do you respond? And I was thinking about this a lot, and I, I sent you a big, long note about it, and, and I think you can break this issue down. It's, into... more, it's more than a note, Nigel. It's a blog, and it's <laughs> published on our website. So. <laughs> <laughs> was, yeah, yeah. I really, um, I really wanted to try and break it down because there are two, there are two core issues. One is the politics of it, right? And... We can, as an industry, we can jump up and down and we can say, look, the government are crap. They got this wrong. They screwed it up. Um, and we can just blame, 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 blame. But the reality is that we, A, have seen this before and can predict that the government aren't going to get it right. They aren't necessarily going to listen to all, all the advice that, um, uh, that industry gives them, that stakeholders give them, because they're politicians. They're in this for leverage. And, and it is entirely predictable that they're going to try and leverage some aspects of programs to get political gain and that may end up working against us and one thing that we absolutely know is that the solar rebate was a crucial deciding factor in the election of Daniel Andrews it was crucial it is one of the top issues if not the top issue which helped him get elected and so he is in a real political pickle now. If he goes back on that promise, if he breaks that promise, if he changes the game uh, after making that promise, it, that's political damage to him. So we have to acknowledge that, you know, rightly or wrongly, he's in a bind now politically, and um, it's very hard for him to make a quick change. And we also know from just from government and just sort of watching government that um, when it comes to things like this and there is a bit of a crisis, they tend not to take their advice from policy advisors, they take it from political advisors. And the political advisors have got a 24-hour time frame mm -hmm. and they're just, you know, um, shit scared of what might appear on the radio and a bit of embarrassment and the, and the opposition sort of taking mm. advantage. But mm. it seems to me that this is one of the cases where you know, stop digging. You know, the hole's just going to get deeper. Uh, exactly. Um, exactly. And that's that's the call. So 
if there are changes to be made, and it seems to me, I mean, I mean, look, you know, um, it it seems to me you don't have to junk this whole scheme. Um, I mean, look, if nothing's going to be done, then maybe you do junk it. But it seems to me that there is a way around it. There um, are solutions. Absolutely. There are solutions, mm. and, and one of them may be reducing that income threshold. And look, that was something I put to stand last um, last week on several occasions. Um, obviously, a great resistance politically, I think, from there because it doesn't seem from the stats that he gave us that it would make that much of a difference to the number of things flowing through the actual scheme itself. It would certainly give more contestability for everybody else out there in the market that can't get their head around this and who don't want to have um, facial recognition tests and um, and what have you. So, it, um, indeed, and look, the, you've touched on a really couple of really important points: the mechanics of the scheme, the facial recognition, the requirements for consumers to confirm all sorts of details. There is an extra burden on the solar industry and on solar consumers to access this money, and that burden is high. It's harder to get access to this rebate, as John said, than it is to get a mortgage or to you know, submit your stuff to the ATO, for goodness sake. So clearly, the solar industry has been used somewhat as guinea pigs to test this new type of system. Now, you know, that's not a great thing. That's not a great outcome for us. That it really isn't. And it has been buggy, it has been problematic, and it has caused problems for the industry. And that has cost people money and time. Um, so, you know, the mechanics of the scheme can be dramatically improved. And I did actually talk to someone who actually specifically said to the government recently, here's a list of eight things that need to be fixed. And to their credit, um, within a week, six of those eight things had been addressed. So there are cool. improvements being made. Yeah, it's really, they're, they're, you know, I think Solar Victoria are kind of a bit caught in the middle on this because it's the Premier's office who owns this scheme and who decides how the scheme runs. And Solar Victoria is the body that has to deliver it. And um, so they can only do so much. Um, but they are genuinely reaching out. They're talking to people in the industry. They're trying to find solutions where they can. But then, of course, they get caught back in the political mire. So, you know. So but what, just out of interest, what were the two that weren't approved out of the I, eight? I didn't go through what those were in detail. I, it, I had an hour and a half conversation and I didn't get to that, but if, I'll dig if, for that. Dig for that, and if he's and if he's listening, let us know because um, you know. Um, no, no, no. I really want this to be a forum, actually. Of well, what can we do? Let, let's let's get a list up there, and um, yeah. and let's make that public, because clearly, um, you know, look, you know, we, we're agreed. It's a great idea to have a solar rebate. It's a great idea that the Victorian government wants to support the industry to make sure that solar continues at this time and to make it more affordable. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. It's a great idea that a large part of this, or, or, or significant enough part of it, is pitched towards the rental community and low-income households. Yeah, and battery storage you. gets a look and, and, in. And yeah. battery storage. There are some good elements. There are some good Big elements. Big tick. Yeah. But look, let's make some refinements. I mean, I, I remember commenting at the time when it was announced that $180,000 um, was a very high um, threshold for the income. Now... I wasn't saying that because I was predicting problems in the system. I had no idea that, the, that this would actually eventuate, but it just seemed mm. to me like, you know, if you're going to offer an extra rebate, then then make sure it's um, restricted to the people who really, really need it. And oh, look, I understand that, you know, 180000 with two people working and a couple of kids at school, you know, doesn't sound like a lot of money, but still. Um, it's not. And, and actually, I did some digging on this over the weekend, Giles, and it is, I closed the sheet down, but from memory, it was like, um, it was um, it was like sixty five or seventy five percent of 
of Victorians were at around about that level, right? That mm. was the household. That was mm. the median household income level. So, you know, um, um, uh, that those statistics were banded about the other day, and I and I think it is true that um, you know it is designed to reach the vast majority of Victorians, which is a noble ambition right yeah but it's, but it's not working because it's basically sort of killing out the whole market so if you're going to aim for the whole um, majority of victorians and i think that's what we've learned in the last couple of weeks and it's been a painful experience i mean like people have been chopped off at the knees because mm. of what's happened over the last three or four months mm. um to avoid more people being chopped off at the knees or and and, and for the industry to sort of be you know um you know, and and unfairly punished, then we've got to work out what the solutions are. So it seems to You're me, right. and, so, and, so it seems it seems to me, you know, let, let's lower this income level. I mean, God, that can't be. You know, that can't I mean, be rocket. That's not rocket science. That's well, it's not, not rocket science, there, and, there and surely it can't be politically. Um, it, it, uh, well, it's know. tricky though, right? Because it's gone through legislation, right? Mm. So the details. Are, I don't know how much of the detail and how much of the nuance of the scheme is in is is actually in legislation now. But certainly there is legislation. The point was made to me that now that the opposition feels like they've got a bone um, to pick with the government over this scheme, getting it through Parliament, getting that legislation, they'll make hay. They'll make hay. That will will not be easy to change that mm. legislation now. And that was the one negative from a solar industry person. That was the one negative. Um, comment I had is this has not made it easier for us to negotiate with the government. This has made it harder because we've handed the opposition something to beat them up with. And so um, in that sense, you know, that, that that's a negative. But the the, the one this uh, the income level isn't one I want to get stuck on, but it is a really interesting one. And I started trying to break down every postcode in Victoria by median income level and having a look at what's the bias that this creates, right? And if you think about it, people in the inner suburbs, you know, closer to the to the city of Melbourne, uh, they've got an expensive lifestyle. They've got overheads that people in cheaper rural areas don't necessarily have. So their median income is going to be higher, of course. So what this does as a predictable but not necessarily deliberate consequence is it biases the workload out to lower income areas. Now, that's maybe not a bad thing. That's maybe not a bad thing at all. In fact, it may be a deliberate consequence. But it means that if you're a solar business and you're in an area where there is a high median income or you're servicing an area with a higher median income, you're in trouble, my friend. Your your market has just has just taken a, a, a hit. Look, we're not going to get this podcast going on for too long, but what are some of the other measures that we can do then? Um, is it getting, I mean, is just facial recognition technology too hard? I mean, God, it makes me think of um, um, some of that, you know, social, um, what's it called? Social credit scheme in China. You know, mm. You've got cameras everywhere and stuff like that. Look, obviously it's not like that, but it just seems to be, to be. Um, it's over the top. It's over the top. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> I think it was a nice idea to test it on a small niche. Um, you know, you don't want to test it on tax returns. You don't want to test it on the banking sector. Pick a little sector like the solar sector and test it there and see if it works. Try okay, it on the fine. coal sector. Try it on the coal sector. Didn't really work so well. Now, they may have refined it. They may have fixed it. But, you know, it's an easy one to just remove a barrier right there. Mm. The one thing that I am most emphatic about, though, Giles, is how the scheme is... Um, uh, concentrating the market and I won't run through all there's a big piece in my blog about this but the simple fact of the matter is that if if I'm understanding what um, Stan Capran said last week in his interview where he mentioned that the top 35 volumes 
the top 35 companies by volume only got 15% of the total market share. Now you can start breaking that down. And he also mentioned that there were roughly 330 installers who successfully got pro, uh, rebate applications through. And in total, there were 660 who tried. So another half, another 330, tried to get rebates in and didn't. They weren't successful. Maybe for a variety of reasons. Maybe the customer didn't follow through. Maybe the installer made a mistake. Maybe some little nuance, whatever. They didn't get through. So ultimately, here's the drum. There are 1,300-odd solar installers accredited in Victoria, which is a, a very good litmus for roughly the same number of businesses being present. So there's about 1,000 businesses. So what we know is only about a third of those businesses, so it's in fact it's a quarter of 1,316 solar installers, only a quarter of all the solar businesses or roughly all the solar businesses in Victoria actually got to participate in this first round in June. Now that is not equitable. There are 75% of the other solar companies out there. Some of them tried and didn't get through. And then there's, then there's a whole other 600-odd solar companies who either threw their hands up and went, I'm not even going to bother, or they tried and they haven't been able to qualify for some reason or another. That is biasing the market, and that is why businesses are going broke. This is not... This is not available to all businesses, and it's going to get tougher. The the um, the approved retailer status um, already applies in in some parts of the scheme. By November first, it'll be mandatory. You must have approved solar retailer status. Now, I won't get into whether that's good or bad or indifferent here. That's in my blog. But the simple matter of the the fact is that, that is going to further concentrate. Um, access to that money down to a smaller group of companies. Now, you can argue as much as you like that that's a good thing or a bad thing or whatever else, but the simple fact of the matter is if there's about a 1,000 solar businesses in Victoria, and we know the bulk of all markets in Australia is residential, so this is the bulk of the market is this scheme. If there's about a 1,000 businesses there and only 100 or 200 of them can actually access this rebate. That is massive market concentration and that has massive consequences for businesses that are out there. I stood there and I actually hugged a lady I'd never met before. It doesn't happen often, but I hugged a lady who I met before, I've never met before, who told me the story about her business that had gone bust. She'd lost her home, her partner had lost his home, and she was just in tears and almost inconsolable about the devastation that it had mm. to her personally that is I, not a good thing and the government can, the government needs to get on top of not destroying businesses through this program so what is the answer then i mean chunk the uh, well <laughs> i think well so here's my here's open, my take. Uh, op open it up make it make it make make the quota bigger to make it reflective of the business that they were conducting before this happened there, look, there are a number of ways that this can be solved. A, there are some things that can be tweaked around the edges to make mechanically better. There are things they can do to ensure that it is not biasing and concentrating all the market power to a smaller number of companies despite good intentions. That is not a good outcome. That is a terrible outcome. And hundreds of businesses are at risk. That is a terrible outcome. So I tried to distill it down to two things. Here's the first. The government must admit and they are refusing to admit at the moment. They're, they're blaming solar businesses. 
the government must admit that there are unintended negative consequences, and if they want to come across as genuine and honest, they need to engage in a debate about that, and they need to find solutions to it. Now, I don't think we can say what the solutions are. There are tweaks, there are changes, but above everything else, they should be avoiding at all costs damages to business and damages to employment, and that is the government's responsibility. I think Solar Victoria should get on the front foot and get out there in the market, hold stakeholder sessions, take feedback, get all these lists of problems, get all these lists of barriers, release the numbers about the concentration of market power and where they expect that, where it's been and where they expect it to go. And then the Premier's office needs to commit to listening and acting on the advice. Anything else is completely disingenuous and we're gonna to continue to have problems. So number one, that's my piece of advice, is the government needs to get serious and genuine about this. For solar businesses, the way I look at it, Joel, solar businesses really only have two choices currently. Number one, get out of residential. Retune your business, find other markets that aren't eligible or, or, aren't, or who are unaffected by the rebate, so commercial. Homeowners above 180,000 bucks, um, um, you know, indigenous housing schemes, community housing schemes, uh, council housing, whatever it may be. They're not as easy, they're not as prevalent, they're not as big and fat and juicy as the residential solar market. I acknowledge that, but there are other markets out there, and that is one option, and that's how some businesses are surviving. Number two, you jump in boots and all, get your accredited uh, approved solar retailer approval straight away, engage with the government, invest time with your politician, with your local member, invest time with your industry peers, get along to association meetings, get noisy, get loud, get vocal, and try to constructively help and improve the program. Stay informed, right? If The worst thing you can do in this case is be uninformed and get surprised. So you can maximize your chances of participation by knowing what's coming up, knowing what changes are coming, knowing how you can leverage your way through and adjusting your business. The other critical part of that, Giles, is that I really, really strongly suggest that there is no solar business in Victoria who should sit back and say, I'm going to make my business wholly dependent on the solar rebate market because if you do that, you are at the mercy of everything that goes on. So you need to build diversity. If you're going to stay in the scheme, if you're going to try and get money out of it, you need to have diversity in your business. You know, have not just residential rebate-driven markets, or else you are at massive risk. How about if we tweak it this way, or if it was tweaked this way, um, that basically one of the big complaints at the moment is that um, basically a throttle, I mean, you know, the, the supply has been throttled uh, because we're, we're now down to this quota of 3,333. 3, so why doesn't the Victorian government in the short term lift that quota to where the market was before um, this was in, 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 in installed, be that by 5,000 or 6,000, you know, mm -hmm. don't necessarily throw it completely open, lift up to that quota so we get the same level of market. Mm. And then, because this is a 10-year scheme, so you actually sort of, you know, you, you can't run at that level forever, but you gradually then ratchet it down. But as you're ratcheting the quota down, you actually ratchet the income levels down as well. Mm -hmm. So basically, so as, as, as you're reducing supply, you're allowing the contestable market to stay the same and increase. And then by the time you get down towards the end of the scheme, it is quite small quota, but it is very narrowly focused at the very bottom end of the market, the people who haven't got solar and really should have solar because they benefit more from it, most from it. So here's the drum, Giles. You know what you've just disclosed? You've just what? disclosed exactly the, almost exactly 
the advice that was given to government by someone very, very knowledgeable in the industry and very, very knowledgeable in the intricacies of the Victorian solar market. They actually recommended almost that exact thing to <laughs> members of the government not that long ago. They could well, bloody see, hell, we're, well, we're going to recommend it again. Well, I think you raise a really interesting point, though, because, A, this is a piece of critical advice that the government was given. I mean, it's play anyone who's been around a while can go, you know what's going to happen? Here I am, I'm talking to Daniel. Daniel, been in the industry for a while. You know what's going to happen when you announce this rebate? No, I don't know. Nigel, what's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen, mate. Industry's going to come out, the market's going to come out like a bull in a gate. There's going to be a massive surge in demand. So I'm telling you right now, if you're going to put this rebate in, you better be ready for that surge in demand. So crank it right up at the beginning and then allow it to come back over time or else you're going to have a massive problem on your hands. So the government knew about that. They absolutely knew about it and they are accountable for ignoring that decision and creating this problem that they have on their shoulders. Well, there you go. Look, I had no idea that that was the proposal, but having listened to John, having listened to you, having listened to more people, um, it just sort of occurred to me as I was sort of sitting here that that was the obvious answer. And um, there you look, it. I mean, look, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to claim that that's the only answer, but geez, that would, that just takes, it, it just kind of makes sense. It doesn't strangle the market. It takes advantage of the old, all the schemes that we know that have been successful have been gradually ratcheted down over time. It creates an orderly, um, an orderly process and yep. it's basically about as fair as you can get. Yep. Um, yep. Because, so, you um, know, yeah. what, you know what, the, what, what the, and of course, we've got budget, they've got budgets to deal with, they've got promises to pay money and do things all over the joint, right? So it gets, this is where it starts to become political because maybe they, don't, they can't get access the money or whatever. Who knows, right? There are lots of nuances around this. But the simple factor of the matter, the fact of the matter is they knew that this was a risk. They haven't addressed it adequately. It's causing problems now. And there are things that they can do. And, and I hate to say it, Giles, but, you know, turning the rebate off is a bloody solution as well. Because if you just let the market get back to what it was doing before, everyone gets to participate on an equal ground. There's no bias. There's no market concentration. There's no delays. There's, uh, there's no eligibility requirements. Everyone can just get on with what they were doing very, very successfully because the Victorian market was in a good place before. So, you know, if they can't deliver the money, then, you know, maybe that is a solution. They turn it off for a while. And uh, who knows, right? Well, let's, let's, let's there are contemplate. lots of ways to solve it. And I think, I think constructive, collaborative, deep stakeholder engagement, let's not waste time. There should be meetings happening in the next week between all the key people um, and, and let's fix this thing. It's yeah. fixable. Well, it is fixable. And am I, am I right in thinking that the next round starts this Thursday, August the 1st? You're correct. You're correct. Bloody hell. Well, and um, it will be very, very telling. In fact, we'll have a podcast only a few days afterwards, so we'll be able to uh, update everyone on the uh, on the next podcast on what the consequences of that. There are some things that we can already predict that may happen as a result of that. Mm. Um, and, well, there you go. Um, we'll stand back, stand by for that podcast because that's exactly what we're going to be focusing on. Look, Nigel, um, we've um, done almost three quarters of an hour so far. Um, we could probably keep on talking, but look, let's keep it there and we'll get back to this next week. Um, listeners, people in the industry and stuff like that, look, if you've got something to say about this, um, comment on our site, comment on the um, in the pages of the podcast, mm. send Nigel read, or me emails read saying, the blog, yes, we agree read with the you, blogs, read the blog. Read, read the blog so you get the full context and you don't slaughter yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but also, look, if, if, if we've got it right, fantastic. If we've got it wrong, um, yeah, let yeah. us know. Yeah. You know, um, 
Um, we're not trying to pretend to be the font of all um, knowledge here. Um, I know there's a lot of people who feel very strongly about it, and um, um, you know, let's keep this issue live. Let's try and find a solution which Absolutely. is um, good for as many people as possible. So That's right. um, we, we have Nigel, to stop the damage. Yeah, good on you. Look, um, good for you for flying down last week. Um, good for you um, for reporting back and telling us. Good for you for getting the interview with John Grimes. And um, thanks again to our sponsors, um, Solar Analytics and, of course, PV Cell from Sunwiz. Um, really appreciate your support. And um, thanks for everyone for listening. And um, um, let us know what you think. And we'll be back next week and we'll be discussing this issue once again. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of PV Cell software. Powerful technology for solar sales and design with free high definition rooftop imagery in every PV Cell plan. Retailers can stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar software. Solar Insiders is also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.